Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Is there anything you're sad about this Christmas season? Maybe you had a certain plan that wasn't able to work out. Maybe you were hoping to travel like you normally do, but you couldn't travel. Maybe you were hoping to be with family and friends or welcome people into your home, but you can't because of our current situation. Well, I want to share with you a little detail from the nativity story from Luke chapter two, the account of Christ's birth. And it's a little detail that I bet you've read and heard about probably since your childhood and you never saw it this way. You know, it's a little line that just says that there was no room for them in the inn. You know, all of my life, I misunderstood this passage. I always pictured it being about Mary and Joseph, you know, that Mary and Joseph, there's no room for them in the inn. They're, they had to move from from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and you know, they, they get there, maybe they get there late at night and Mary's showing signs of labor and they're rushing to try to find a place to, so she can have the baby. Maybe you picture that in your head. Uh, and, and they look to the, to the inn, but there's no room for them in the inn. And I always thought that that was a reference to Mary and Joseph. There's no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn or Mary, Joseph and the baby Jesus in the inn. But then I read something about eight, 10 years ago from St. John Paul II that completely revolutionized the way I look at this story. He, he pointed out something in the biblical text that made me realize that them is not primarily a reference to Mary and Joseph. It's a reference to something else. And, and this is a key to really unlocking the, the meaning of this passage and the story of Christmas, especially for our lives today. And I want to share with you about that today. Who is the them? That's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and uh, it's been a, a blessing the last week here. I, I want to give a, a great thanks to the Love and Responsibility Group in of Young Adults in Los Angeles. They've had hundreds of young adults from the LA area and really around the world joining them over the internet, uh, going through St. John Paul II's love and responsibility and trying to apply it to their lives. And they were using my book, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love for that. And they had me come on and do a little session and Q&A. It was just such a joy to be with them. So God bless you all. I'm praying for all of you to live out love and responsibility and all you learn from JP2. Uh, through your study this fall. I also want to give a shout out to the Archdiocese of Cincinnati parish leaders throughout the diocese. Thank you for having me for your Advent retreat this last week. It was a blessing to spend a morning with all of you. And finally, uh, a a word of gratitude to the two Bible study groups that I finished up this week. We were doing a three-part Advent Bible study with the Lake Tahoe Group in California and the St. Thomas Apostle Parish in Knoxville, Tennessee. But let's turn back to this story. There's no room for them in the inn. Who's the them? Listen to the statement again. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swelling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I want you to pay attention. I'm going to read it one more time, but pay attention. Who's the subject? There is one subject for each of these actions, one person performing these actions. There's three actions being listed here, and there's one person that performs each of them, and the recipient of each of those three actions is the same person as well. So we have an actor and a recipient of the actor, a subject and an object if you're into grammar. That's what we would, we would be looking at here. But listen to, the, listen to it. So once again, she gave birth 
to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger. So one person is doing all the acting. And then there's one person doing all of the receiving of the action. So who was it that was born? Jesus. Who was it that was wrapped in swaddling clothes? The baby Jesus. And who was laid in, in the manger? The baby Jesus. So Mary is the actor, the, the, the child, Jesus, is the recipient in all three of those, those, the, the, those, those phrases in, those, in that sentence there in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And so when we read there's no room for them in the end, who's the them? It's not about Joseph. It's about Mary and Jesus. It's about Mary and Jesus. And this is going to be really important to see the spotlight at the birth of Jesus is not focused on Joseph. You know, before, earlier in the account, all the way up until you get to verse 5, Joseph is the one who's on center stage. He's the one who's from the city of David, from Judea, from the city of Bethlehem, and it's because of him that they have to go back to Bethlehem to be enrolled. So Joseph is mentioned there several times at the beginning of the story, but when you get to verse 7, he's nowhere to be seen, at least in the verse. I believe he was there, of course. But but that's not what Luke is drawing our attention to. He's drawing attention to Mary and Joseph here. I'm sorry, Mary and Jesus here. I think of it this way. If I said to you, uh, Ted drove Beth to a restaurant and took her out for dinner and bought her a nice present because it was a special anniversary for them. Who's the them? <laughs> it's clearly Ted and Beth, <laughs> right? That, that's a, that, that's a, that the subject of all of those actions is Ted. The recipient of all those actions is Beth. So when you say it was a special anniversary for them, of course you're thinking of Ted and Beth. And the same is true here at the nativity. Listen to what uh, a, a Protestant scholar says. This is Beverly Gaventa, so not even Catholic. She draws this point out as well. She says, three active verbs describe the events, each of which has Mary as its subject and the babe as its object. Here, Mary acts alone. Even Joseph remains hidden from the narrator's vision. The focus is on Mary. She's the one be con- being connected with her son, Now, here's the point St. John Paul II made, though. He takes it a step further. St. John Paul II reflects on how Mary is being associated with the suffering of her son, the rejection of her son. There was no room for them. No one was there to welcome the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the prophesied one, the son of God. The king of kings is entering this world and there was no room. No one made any room for him. He was not welcome. When he he is made manifest as a child, he is not welcomed. He is rejected. He's born in these conditions of great poverty. He has to be put in a manger, in this feeding trough for the animals. I mean, just think about how hard this would have been for Mary. St. John Paul II notes how this this phrase, this this sentence in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, is connecting Mary with the sufferings of her son right here at the nativity. 
We often think about the sufferings of Mary, especially at the cross, of course. We may think about the sufferings of Mary and the seven sorrows of Mary, right? Which begin, you know, that devotion of the seven sorrows begins reflecting on different moments of Mary's sorrows, you know, whether it was her sorrow with Jesus dying at the cross when he's taken down and she's holding him in his arms, sorrows earlier in his life when when, uh, she has to go on a flight to Egypt, Uh, the sorrows when Simeon gives the prophecy in the presentation scene about a sword will pierce his soul also. So there's a devotion, a Catholic devotion known as the seven sorrows of Mary. And it begins with that presentation scene, that scene of Simeon's prophecy about the sword, the sword that's going to, 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 to strike Jesus as he dies on the cross and the soldier puts the sword through his body. Well, that sword will pierce Mary's heart also, he says. It's a prophecy about the intense opposition and suffering to Jesus. That's in this devotion, the first of the seven sorrows of Mary. But if if I could add a, a sorrow, I, I'd add an eighth, and I would put it right before the presentation. I would put it right here at the Nativity. I believe that that's what Luke's gospel is revealing to us, that, that the first sorrow, the first time we see explicitly in the gospels, Mary participating in the suffering of her son, it's right here at Christmas. It's here at the Nativity. And that's what St. John Paul II would say, I think. He certainly sees the connection with Mary's su- Mary sharing in Jesus' suffering. Listen to this. The gospel notes that there was no place for them in the inn. This statement, recalling the text from John's gospel, his own people received him not, foretells, as it were, the many refusals Jesus will meet during his earthly life. Right? So John's gospel highlights that uh, that when Jesus enters into the world, his own people will receive him not. It's a reference to the Jewish leaders, many of the Jewish people, the people he came to save, many of them aren't going to understand him. They're, they're going to not like him. They're going to be uncomfortable with him, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and, and they're going to plot against him. They're going to bring him to his death. His own people received him not. Well, that rejection begins right there in Bethlehem. St. John Paul II goes on and says, the phrase for them joins the son and the mother in this rejection and shows how Mary is already associated with her son's destiny of suffering and shares in his redeeming mission. Isn't that beautiful? So John Paul II highlighting here, this, this, this phrase for them is connecting the son and the mother in this rejection. So, Mary's going to have sorrow throughout her, her life as she watches her son be treated poorly, be misunderstood, be plotted against, be rejected, and be killed. There are going to be many sorrows of Mary, but those sorrows begin right here at the Nativity. And we think of the Nativity as a great joyful time. And indeed, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of joy, right? The, the angels announced to the shepherds this great joy, and I'm sure Mary experienced great joy in holding her child. She longed, she longed more than anyone else for the Savior, for the Holy Son of God to come. But on this day, that joy was also tainted by a bit of sorrow as she watched her son be treated so poorly on this first day of his life. There was no place for them. He was rejected He had to be put into a manger. How hard that would have been for any mom. (laughs) And Mary has this burden of knowing that this isn't any ordinary child, but the Holy Son of God. How hard this would have been for Mary. So what I want us to think about here 
in this joyful Christmas season. I pray that we have a lot of joy as we rejoice in Christ's birth. But I think many of us might have little moments of sorrow, wishing, I wish I could be with my mom. I wish I could be with my dad. I wish I could be with my brother, my sister, these friends. And maybe we're not able to. And if you are, rejoice. Rejoice in that great gift, especially in 2020. But if you're not, that little sorrow that you bring in to the Christmas season, into that Christmas mass, if you're able to go, think of Mary. Remember her sorrow. Turn to her. Tell her of your sorrows, because she had sorrow. Even in the midst of this joy of Christ being born, she had sorrow. Unite your sorrows with hers and ask her and her maternal heart to pray for you, to pray for your loved ones, to pray for whatever disappointment you might have. And that's okay. That's human right now. Mary had some disappointment in the midst of great joy. If that was okay for Mary, it's okay for you and I. So Mary, pray for us in this Christmas season. Help us to keep and ponder all of the mysteries of your son's birth in our hearts. May we rejoice in his birth. May we rejoice in the Savior being born. And whatever sorrows, we we present them. We unite them with Jesus on the altar. We unite them with your sorrows, Mary, at the nativity and at the cross. All of your sorrows, we unite them there. We ask that you pray for us. Pray for those we love. And may our sorrow be turned into joy, as your son promises. Mary, pray for us. Thanks for listening, my friends. Blessed Christmas to you all. God bless.